You're listening to the PT Profit Podcast, episode number 284. Today, Beverly is interviewing Coach Pow about high-performance coaching techniques and achieving personal goals. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Beverly Simpson, former fitness manager turned online personal training business owner. And this podcast is where smart fitness professionals, including trainers and clinicians, discover how to increase client performance in movement, package and position their products and services and get out of their own way so that they can increase their revenue to live a life that they love without sleazy sales. Welcome to the PT Profit Podcast. So today I'm recording the intro for you for this awesome episode with Emmanuel Coach Pau Paris, who I actually know through an Edmonton connection. He's a great guy, really funny, and he discusses his unique approach to high-performance training, which combines hypertrophy training, strength training, and mobility work. He emphasizes the importance of addressing areas like ribcage and pelvis mobility and incorporating gait into exercise selection. Coach Pau also highlights the significance of strength and mobility for maintaining movement quality and navigating through life. He shares his assessment process for creating training programs and common goals that clients come to him with. Coach Pau also touches on the importance of understanding the language of the individual and tailoring coaching to their needs. I think you're going to really like this episode. If you do, please share it on social media and rate five stars. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It is 10 a.m. here in Playa del Carmen, and I could be sweatier. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's freezing cold here in uh, New York, so we are all bundled up. Where in New York are you? So I used to train out of Chelsea in Manhattan, but when okay. I gave birth to two babies, we moved to Westchester. So we're in Westchester now. Ah, awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So I'm really excited to dive in. We got some really awesome things. So for those of you who are tuning in and have not had the pleasure of being introduced to your work, can you share with us a little bit about who you are, who you serve and how you got there? Who I am. I'm just another human being existing on this planet and who is alive <laughs> doing what I'm passionate about. And that is, you know, I, I, sit before you as a high-performance coach and consultant. I work with a handful of professional athletes, mostly in the in the ice show, the ice dance we call the NHL. <laughs> so I work with a, a handful of NHL players all the way down to the grassroots level athletes. I've had experiences, lovely experiences working with rugby union to men's women's artistic gymnastics, track and field, football, varsity levels, soccer, so I, I myself am a huge proponent of physical literacy through sport. As I grew up playing various sports, eventually culminated in being a member of the 4 by 100 meter relay team at the 2008 Olympics, you know, had a, got a bronze medal at Commonwealth Games and so on and so forth. But right now I build it as a high performance coach, 
And I am also doing fitness consultation for my favorite, another one of my favorite communities, and that's the general population. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, so you had mentioned right before we hit record on this, which I really, I'm really interested in diving into, is you were talking about how you're about to carry 12 individuals through a really high performance protocol that really incorporates the philosophies that you have developed I'm I'm assuming through your years of experience in your self body transformation as well as working with the one percent of the one percent. So I'd love for you to share just a little bit more on your particular movement and performance philosophies that you think is different than what we are traditionally used to seeing. Well, I've definitely seen a huge benefit in in the admin what i like to call the admixture of hypertrophy training or training for growth for muscle size training for strength and mobility through the carefully selected list of exercises i believe that the attention to areas like the rib cage and rib cage mobility to the pelvis and getting that thing moving both left and right hemispheres of the pelvis to even addressing gait in your exercise selection is huge. And that has allowed me to not only put on size, gain strength, but also preserve or even improve movement quality. So at 41 years old, you know, I'm still setting personal bests in the gym. I am still breaking through certain mobility, mobilities, <laughs> you know, getting very close to middle splits, front splits and even with calisthenic movements. So I'm a huge proponent of carefully, I don't like randomness unless it is a, a phase. My unloading phase is what I like to call the hardcore play phase where I investigate and I see what I would like to incorporate in my next training block. But definitely I don't like to compromise any of the aforementioned things. So I always make sure that I'm programming strength to some degree, programming the repetition method, which allows for some volumization and getting bigger as long as the the food intake is adequate and uh, and mobility. I don't like to compromise mobility because I believe that if you want to continue moving through this through this this existence with great strength, that there is also great responsibility. I kind of pulled that from I think Spider Man. I think Uncle Ben said that. <laughs> to Peter Parker, he says with great. I think he says with great strength comes great responsibility. Was that, I think that might've been the, the catchphrase there. Wait, so on. I say the same thing as it applies to mobility. It's going to come, I, it's going to come to me because I love Spider-Man and I love Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Uncle Ben says that to him. I think before he, surely before he passes and it's like, it resonated with me. And I apply that to certain things that are like my centrums, if I can say that in, with my training, you know, get stronger because strength is your retirement plan. That's what you're going to use to navigate through space in life. You know, unfortunately, we see we that example is seen in the geriatric community and not just in that community. But, for example, um, in the elderly, you start to see that that tissue atrophy. They don't have the muscle, the strength to propel themselves through space. So then what happens is they slow down and ultimately and unfortunately culminating in no movement whatsoever. So I say, be as strong as you can within reason and be as mobile as you can so that it doesn't infringe upon your ability to navigate through through life. So what are the type you of know? assessments? 
what are the type of assessments that you take in when you are creating a training program for, say, the general population? So you had mentioned, and what I heard you say is that we prioritize strength, and then you also add in the volume component for hypertrophy. So how do you decide what the different programming uh, components need to go in what blocks? So I look at it's if you think in terms of like drip phasing, what would you want to have first? Right. And I say, like, for example, you would probably want to have someone master the fundamentals before moving to something complex. So I'll just I'll take a step backwards. I will look at what is in, in the event where I'm doing customized training programs. I'll the assessment is going to be very individualized because I understand that everyone has their own unique bio individuality and traumas, so on and so forth that will determine how they manage their center of mass and so on and so forth and their breathing patterns. So that's something that I will assess. And usually I want to grab information on where do they manage their center of mass? Is it very far forward? If we see that, we're probably going to end up seeing someone who is having issues with rotation because when I find when center of mass is really held forward, um, you start to see certain things like the rib cage flaring, the pelvis tilting, even the, the visual or the head trying to move in order to maintain the visual system or 90 degrees or taking a look at the horizon. So you address that and you build your exercises around that. If someone is very used to being in the, in the, the, the front of their foot and leaning forward, feeling like they're always in a rush to locomote, I will start to program exercises that allow them to, to bring their center of mass back closer towards the heels really building an awareness of what we call like the exhalation skeleton. So being able to drop the diaphragm. So those are some of the things, if I have to program a group, I will still actually dive into that. So an example with this program that I'll be launching the online training partner service, though it is one program, I will be touching base with every individual, obviously through questionnaires and then short phone calls, just to get a little bit more information to see where I need to, create a little bit of a modification. You know, an example, some, uh, some of the individuals may not be performing a bilateral deadlift. Some of them, I may actually have them doing an asymmetrical front back stance and, you know, trying to drive a little bit more hip internal rotation on the working side, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, because sometimes you find individuals in a bilateral deadlift, the asymmetry is so intense that, we're just going to keep pushing them into that. But if I can get them to isolate in a staggered stance, then we get to address, we can address some areas a little bit more with more range focus or less, depending on what our goal is. So speaking of goals, what are some of the common goals that people come to you for when they are looking for training? Generally, it's to be become more, what I say, athletic. And by definition, I feel like athletic is the ability to move from one side of the body to the next. It's also to be able to organize your segments in space to solve movement problems, you know, reacting to your environment. So a lot of people come to me with that as the main focus, but then the minors would be in increasing strength, muscle mass, and, you know, 
obviously those through with the latter the 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 latter i would say the aesthetics so my question for you is when they come to you athletic and i'm i'm going to speak specifically to your general population component right if they're like hey i have an athletic goal do you typically see that in the form of like you know they want to run a marathon or they have some type of athletic aspiration or is it more of like pain management like oh my gosh I I'm going to be living alone. My kids are out of the house, so on and so forth. Like one, how do they know that they have an athletic goal? Well, I guess how would I know would be through questionnaire, <laughs> through interview, just asking questions, getting them to dive deep. Uh, most of the individuals who come to me know somewhat like my background somewhat and know that I was a speed-based athlete, speed power-based athlete. So they come to me looking to sprint or wanting to learn how to sprint. There are individuals who come to me with with pathology, with some issues that we have to deal with. And, you know, I always make sure that I have a good performance enhancement team. And I don't mean performance, illegitimate performance enhancements, but performance enhancement team by way of a therapist who is either close to them or someone who can deal with them via online. You know, I'm a huge proponent of right now three individuals there's Alex Effer, Connor Harris, and David Gray, David Gray Rehab. So I usually send people their way when I know that it's outside of my scope. Mm-hmm. But I've studied a bit under Alex Effer, did his uh, resilient training program. And I'm always buying David Gray's stuff, his content. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love it. Yeah, I could hear based on your Alex Effer was on the show. So was David Gray. And no way. Yeah, yeah they were. That's, that's Alex, awesome. <laughs> Alex broke down his virtual assessment for us. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, uh, yeah. I could hear the language. I was like, oh, I can, I know I could hear like, oh, okay. So we really care about the science of training and biomechanics, which I feel like a lot of people miss that or, yeah. they, you know, and and through no faults of their own, right? Where this is what's amazing of of education is getting out to the masses now. So when I yeah. hey, when I was in the gym, we didn't. Have- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I came from like I started with like the the FRC community back in like 2014. I don't know if you remember. Oh, that. I do. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Andrea Spina and Dr. Shivers. Yeah, 2014. It was, was it 2014, 2014 or 2015, I certified with them, like before they were popular. Yeah. Oh <laughs> and my then... God. I remember that too. I, I think they came to my gym. Like I was. No way. Yeah. Well, back in those days, or it's like, that's for how you got certified. They came to. Yeah. Gym. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I went to them in Toronto or in Vaughan, Ontario. Mm-hmm. And after that, it was like DNS, the dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. Then I was kind of like in limbo for a while. Cause I'm like, I don't know about these systems. They're good, but I wasn't finding like things were changing, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't just it wasn't just a uh, oh, lack of con- being consistent. It was just finding like there was something missing and it's not that they were bad. It's just I needed more. There was I think a lot of issues are multifactorial. So like, there's an emotional side that you have to deal with. So I went and did cognitive behavioral therapy training and uh, or certification. And then I started diving into other areas and eventually landing on like a Dr. Pat Davidson and his rethinking the big patterns to Alex and David and and so many others. And then, you know, my exercise programming just got significantly better. (laughs) 
you know, and it started with myself, like having a couple bumps and bruises, shoulder pains, ankle pain, ankle injury, knee injury, and all of these things just started to disappear. And then I just started training like an animal again, you know, and it's just like, wow, 41 years old, I'm doing this, no PEDs, you know, teach their own. But uh, I know people always uh, accuse me of that, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I know what I'm doing. And I've taken a 60 year old client to lift more than he has, more than he's ever done at 21 years old. I have a 14 year old who's doing a 60 pound chin up, like additional weight. And it's like <laughs> when you when you know the individual who you're working with, you know, and the communication is there, you under and they understand how to interpret the whispers before they become screams, then you're creating a monster, <laughs> right? Because they know yeah. when it's time to take a break. They know when it's time to, you know, you could see even say they know when it's time to eat or they know when it's time to work harder. You know, they know when it's time to dig deep. So that's a large part of like my coaching too. It's not just writing down a recommended amount of sets and reps and rest and stuff. There's, there's education beyond that that's divulged during the conversations that we have, which are very, very meaningful. Yes. I'd love for you to dive a little bit more into that because I think that what happens to a lot of people is that there is this, there is a, a myth, I, I don't know. I'll find the word, but what happens is that there is a, a gap between learning information and then actually integrating it and implementing it and then understanding what's happening based on the yeah. of information. So I'm curious for you specifically, the transfer, the transference of information into implementation with your clients how were you able to assess, for lack of a better word, the the difference between, hey, I need to stay, I need to stay in the process here, I need to keep trying it, I need to test and tweak, versus coming to the understanding of like, no, there's something missing, there's something more, I need to go deeper. How have you been able to know the difference for yourself? Well, great question. Like all these questions are great, <laughs> but that one's like. The tough one. There's some parts that I'd say might even be like, I don't want to say immutable, but it's, I'd say a checklist. Like the checklist that I used to have, which perhaps is a bit outdated, is like, I, my checklist would be on kind of biomarkers. So biomarkers within biomarkers would be HR, HRV, like heart rate variability, would be like certain subjective and objective measures, like quality of sleep things like that and so for example when i make a change to my program i try not to make too many changes try and put one thing in at a time sometimes it's too eh. (laughs) but let's say i put one thing in the basket so i've changed one thing i'm going to always touch base with my my checklist so those biomarkers those objective and subjective measures just to see how those are being influenced now at the same time i have other jobs and that's going to be to keep things consistent in my life like the nutrition consistent, even the people I hang around, the levels of stress that I'm exposed to, you know, so that way I can kind of get a good, I can get a a better idea as to how this new change is influencing me, you know, on a biochemical level, on a psychological level, like, how do I feel about this? Do I like it or do I not like it? Am I enjoying it? You know, the other one would even be like kind of a synchronization thing. And synchronization would be, you know, how like, 
am I, do I feel like I'm getting better at this movement or worse? Or is it influencing other, other, I'd say even landmark positions that I would like to achieve or, or that I, I maintained or never had, you know? So how, how would I say this? An example, like a staggered stance RDL. And the intent is trying to drive more I, internal rotation on the working leg side. Well, let's say I'm lacking that IR and it shows up in certain exercises. Well, when I bring that staggered stance RDL in the program, after enough time of stabilizing and actualizing, or I believe, I give, let's say I believe it takes, you know, three weeks, four weeks to stabilize and actualize, or at least stabilize the performance. Is it improving my IR when I lay down and perform that leg raise, you know? Or is it improving that IR when I'm performing a certain action like cutting if I'm on the field? So little things like that. Um, video performance is a huge one. That's a big one. And what else? Recruitment. Recruitment would be, am I getting stronger in the exercise? <laughs> is, wow. there, is there any, am I getting stronger in the exercise? Also, is it hurting something else? <laughs> well, how long do you get it before you decide whether or not you're you're actually recruiting, you're you're getting stronger. Two months. Two months. Yeah, I give it two months. I'm not a big fan. Of, I used to switch things up so quickly, and that I think some of that came from a coaching experience I had when I was a sprinter. Mm-hmm. My coach used to believe, and I was like, "This guy is the genius." And not to say he isn't, but it doesn't mean I have to agree with everything the genius believes. But he would say, I've never met an individual like you, you know, Emmanuel Paris, who is so, who gets so stale from a workout. Mm-hmm. So he'd say, I'd give you a workout. And let's say we would repeat this microcycle. Uh, we would do it week one, week two. By week three, I'd have to switch it up on you because you're no longer re- reacting to these workouts. Exactly. Your first session, you're crushing it. Second session, excuse me, it'd be three weeks. Second session, you absolutely destroy the workout. You're running the fastest you've ever run. And then by week three, you all of a sudden just kind of dip down. I don't know if it's your level of excitement or whatever. So I have to, so I was the one athlete out of six who was always getting new workouts every three weeks, you know? And then when I start, when I retired from sprinting and I got into, you know, really diving in deep and designing my programs, strength training and bodybuilding and such, I would always switch my workouts up really quickly but I noticed like I wasn't giving myself enough time to improve in the, the exercise in those areas. I was just kind of loading. I was just going after like the, 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 the peripheral muscle fatigue and, you know, not giving myself enough time for the CNS to really absorb what it was that I was doing. So I just started spending more time and like the beauty of it is it's just amazing. I get to stretch things out longer, like use something and really, get all the juice out of it, <laughs> you know? So. So, so I'm curious for you, you know, as a, a, an athlete, have you been an athlete your whole life? Yeah. Okay. So unfortunately, what, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I'm curious, yeah. you know, as an athlete and as someone who has the, you know, who has the experience of always just being in an athletic state of mind, what has the transition been like working with people who potentially don't have the same drive as you do? Like they get tired, they're like, yeah. It like, how have you found empathy and and been able to motivate your people to take action when they don't feel like it? Crazy is I've I, until recently, 
People will probably say they won't believe me when I with this answer here, but until recently, I haven't really had those experiences with clients who were like, I where I'd have to like, you know, crack the whip. Oh, I don't know if it's just my demeanor or whatever, but <laughs> I, I do err on the side of like caution more than anything. I'm not like a hardcore drill sergeant trainer. There are time, times I could be the coddler mm-hmm. for the most part with even my general pop clients. They're, they're excuse my language, they're bad at it. Yeah. You know, like they love to put in the work and sometimes they're like, I want more. And I'm like, Hey, you're going to wait until the, like, yes. Or you're going to wait until the next training phase. <laughs> I want you to finish this out. We'll keep, you know, monitoring your, your objective and subjective measures, you know, cause right now there's a few things you might want to fix <laughs> before we work harder, but I've been pretty good with the, the, the tribe that I have right now. There are two who I have in the fold. You know, where I, I look at their adherence charts and they're like, mm, uh, mood down, willingness to train low. They're still putting in, they're still logging their workouts. Do I think they can work harder? Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're new. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Mm. You know, um, it's like, perhaps I'll say my answer for that is I'm always getting on phone calls with my clients and I let them talk. And if I hear something that needs to be addressed that perhaps they haven't seen or they haven't highlighted, then, you know, I'll bring that up. And a lot of times it's, let's say, lack of effort in the gym or consistency is like due to them not dealing with something outside of the arena. And by the arena, I mean the gym, you know, so poor sleep quality or poor stress management, lack of mental resiliency. So you address that and let them go, let them go, but you know, you unleash them again and they're like, all right. Yeah, it's interesting, right? In the fitness space, you see this dichotomy, right? We we tend to be dogmatic and extreme and it's either like, hey, you know, all or nothing or this sense of like, you know, this sense of like, hey, you know, coddling, coddling, yeah. for lack of a better word, for lack of a better word, right? And it's not yeah. either or is bad. It's more about finding the people that are going to resonate and seek to you and want your level yeah. of of expertise and and discipline because we have like if we we have to you want something different you got to do something different like just yeah like, yeah that is very true and you also said something that that just speaks to me very well and that's the it's like you have to learn the language of the individual you're working with i have some clients where they they i could tell if they sense any kind of coddling they lose trust <laughs> they're kind of like well what? I can get away with with this? I don't like to hear that. Whereas others are like, yes, in this point in time, I don't need that pressure of you coming down on me with the jackhammer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can just show me some empathy, <laughs> this yeah. would be kindly appreciated right now. So, yeah. you know, just being able to, to understand the language of the individual you're working with. I think more often than not, people understand my language before they come to me. Mm-hmm. So then I end up with a really good fit. Yeah. So uh, I say I can't help everybody. I can help the right people, but the right right is in this case is is subjective. If you're the right fit for my for what I do well, we work well together. Yeah, so good. And I think that that part of that just comes with the conviction of knowing that what you do works and being okay with helping the people you that you're meant to help. And a lot of new coaches, it's hard to 
have that type of conviction when they just don't have the reps under their belt yet. They will. You right. will. Yeah, this is true. I have reps. Someone the other day called me an OG in this fitness thing, but that's also relative like to like when someone is born and sure, I'm 41. Sure. So. <laughs> and I've been, I yeah. told someone the other day, I've been lifting uh, since I was like, you're going to laugh, five years old. I am going to laugh. That is crazy. Yeah. My mother bought me the Hulk, this Hulk Hogan workout set. It had like three pound dumbbells. You know, I remember there was wristbands, sweatbands, a headband, skipping rope, cassette. And I worked out on that thing like you wouldn't believe. And then I got in my closet, started doing pull-ups, which is, I tell people, which is why I'm, I'm rather good at doing (laughs) pull-ups and it just, it just never stops, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious for you, you know, since you've been lifting since five, right? How, and you mentioned now that you're 41. So over four decades, right? Or time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, movement is movement. So how do you keep yourself entertained and and not bored and continue to, to, you know, stay committed to the craft? I investigate every so often. Like I, I say I play and there are times where I emphasize sprinting speed and I'm on the track more than in the gym. Other times it's the other way around. I'm on the, I'm in the gym more than on the track or I'm in the calisthenics arena more than the gym and the track. So I'm always playing around. I really enjoy lifting though. I enjoy the powerlifting side with that. There are times where my training is a major in strength, a minor in bodybuilding. And, and with that mobility is always a, a part of it. And then other times my major is in hypertrophy and my minor is in strength. Sometimes the strength, you know, that those parameters are barely even in the program. So it's like, there's always this cool wave, you know, followed by a little transmutation period. And I think that's what keeps me fresh in the gym. You know, I do get bored from time to time, but I am, I'm now willing to accept the boredom when it's necessary. Yeah. So how, now that you are, you know, you've retired from sprinting, what are some of your own personal athletic performance goals that you keep in mind? Like, do you keep, do you, are you just maintenance now or do you, do you give yourself goals? Yeah, I give myself goals. I've, I'm, I've been growing quite a bit. I'm 238 pounds right now. When I was a sprinter, I was 200, just a little under or over 200. I fluctuated between like 198 and 203 pounds. And I'm enjoying this like bulking phase, you know, testing the bulk, the slow progressive bulk where, you know, I say you don't end up looking like a milk bag while you're bulking. So I'm having fun with that. I'm also having fun, you know, right now I'm chasing 500 on the bench press. And, you know, I was at 415 two years ago. Just recently, I hit 455 on on the bench and little things like that. You know, I hit a 725 deadlift. That was a mate like it was huge for me. Excuse me. I should elaborate that that was trap bar. <laughs> uh, 650 on uh, conventional. And I can't remember. I don't even want to talk about my sumo because I'll get laughed at. I don't sumo deadlift. <laughs> I call it a squat stance deadlift. <laughs> I'm having fun with, with some powerlifting numbers or trying to increase those numbers. 
and at the same time improve my 20, my 30 meter sprint, you know, even up to a 40 meter sprint. I don't think I'll survive 100 meters <laughs> of running fast. <laughs> the risk of <laughs> the risk of blowing a gasket at 238 pounds is, is up there. Are you going to get on the platform? The platform. Powerlifting. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I'm strongly considering it. Maybe. <laughs> I'm strongly Maybe considering it. <laughs> Pardon? Let's get some white lights on the meat. Yeah, platform. I know. <laughs> I have a friend at the gym who says that all the time. He's like, yeah, you get to need the three white lights. <laughs> yeah, I'm strongly considering it. I train alone and that's starting to weigh on me now. Mm. Like I really like I've trained alone for so many years, mm. you know, and when I say alone, alone, I'm talking not even music, like just me in the gym. I'm in there doing my workout, not listening to anything. Same thing on the track. I, I for the most part, I train by myself, especially in my college days, train by myself. Sometimes I train in the evening outside in the dark, doing my sprints, you know, particularly in the general preparedness phase when it's not about speed, but just getting the work in. And I grew accustomed to doing that. But now that the name of the game is like lift heavy, you need a spot, perhaps somebody to like, you know, give you the slap on the back. Mm. So I think if I uh, find another individual who's also into or going after the same thing, that it could be great. How do and you that's why I think I'm talking to you? Pardon? How do you prevent people from talking to you when you're in the gym training by yourself? Yeah, it happens a lot. I'm pretty good at if someone if I'm distracted for a moment, I can regain focus. As soon as I touch the bench or put my hands on a bar, it's like it's as if someone said runners on your mark. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I, I know that that's one of the one of the reasons was the ability to go from, hey, I'm nervous, I'm afraid to hearing the command and then that changing your conscious response to the the situation at hand. With focus, you know, so, you're dialing in. Yeah, exactly. But it happens a lot. Like anybody who sees me in the gym, not anybody, but a lot of the times people will either ask me the very same question you did or want to come talk to me and ask me, you know, what are the best exercises for chest or traps <laughs> or shoulders or how do I increase my bench or my squat? So, <laughs> Jenna, like I, I like to, to answer, give short answers or tell people to message me on Instagram, you know, say, Hey, I'm in my set right now, or I'm about to perform, send me a message. And I'd love to respond to you. You know, do they? Yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. (laughs) They usually stand in front of me and say, okay, repeat, what's your Instagram handle? (laughs) Or I type it in and then I'll watch them like as they're writing the message. Yeah. Yeah. So I get it. And I, I, to do my best to respond to everyone. I actually I have people who usually write, I'd never thought you would respond to my question. Or wow, I didn't think you'd answer. I know. You know? That, that's why I asked you because a lot of people, they don't realize, like they're intimidated to DM people. Like yeah. we're used to DMing people, or at least I am. Like people yeah. in my space, in my world, like I, I'll talk... I'll DM famous people, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, if I if they're doing something interesting and I care about, but most people don't, and they're intimidated yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, they're afraid of 
the possible result, like the rejection, possibly. Or, or that, know, like, who am I to be talking to, you know, Taylor Hansen or whoever the, the person is? Like, you're, as a coach, you are famous to these people. They just, you don't think of yourself that way. Yeah. Uh, question, how did you, how do you know David Gray? And then, like, Alex and... Oh my gosh. So I was, uh, well, now we're interviewing me. So I was a former (laughs) district fitness manager for Crunch and I learned under Kyle Dobbs. So oh Oh my gosh, compound performance. performance. So, and I worked with Kyle Dobbs for a, a lot of my career. So when he left, he went to peak performance under Dr. Pat Davidson or with Dr. Pat Davidson and and yeah. that that Motley crew to knows to love them. <laughs> I moved into district fitness manager for Crunch, and then then you know our worlds have just come back like that. So Kyle has been a just a really you know pivotal person in my career. Yeah. So then, but what I was really good at in at Crunch was sales, like sales, marketing, and growing. Yeah. It was just. I went in that direction and he went training and then yeah. always like continued to excel in training. And so that that's how I got introduced to the world, to the space. And then I, I had met people through him, like Katie St. Clair, Jill Zimmerman. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. Just kind of like snowballed in that regard. Yeah. No, that's but, amazing. Yeah. I, I say that those, these names, that you've mentioned and that I mentioned are like some of the smartest in the industry. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes I think like the state of, of this fitness industry, particularly with like the new wave of like fitness influencers, it's like getting a bit scary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because there's a lot of like, someone gave me this term that I'm using. I hope it doesn't sound too bad, but it's like the incestuous repetition. Mm-hmm. Like you see something, you grab it, you don't really understand it, but you use yeah. it and then you tell everybody else to use it. You know, meanwhile, you never really understood it and who it was for. You know, I we saw that, that with, yeah. Keep going. We saw that with, keep going. We saw that with like the prior, to, you know, with never let your knees precede your toes way back in the day. I remember like, you know, when I was new to coaching, that was people started sounding off with that. And it was like shoulders back and down, chin in, and, yeah. you know, all these things, you know, the shoulders back and now pack it back. Mm-hmm. And abduct the knees and as you're squatting to create space for the hips. And it was just like, wow, those things, perhaps they're, they were valid, but for certain people, not everyone, yeah, you know, and then it just like caused a bunch of other problems <laughs> that now the really smart people are fixing the right way, but no one's listening to them as much as they should. It's interesting, right? So I think that what we're dealing with is two things or three things, really, in my opinion. Okay, so this is my opinion, which is that we have the law of polarity, which is that you cannot have light without the dark, essentially. Right. So social media is a blessing and a curse, and it has brought to light that echo chamber of a dogmatic approach where people have a very hard time, like they're comparing their, their, you know, dark days to people's highlight reel or to things that are, that are, you know, photoshopped to, and they're creating unrealistic expectations around performance. Like it's kind of created this echo chamber of like, Oh, I just learned how to squat for the first time. Let me go get on the powerlifting. Let me go do a meet. 
right? Where yeah. like, hold on, <laughs> yeah. okay, you wouldn't expect a toddler to run a marathon the first time they learn to walk. So why are right. you doing this in your business? Why are you doing this in your lifting practice, right? So, right. you know, social media has kind of exacerbated that. And yeah. it's so created a huge, like, you know, area of opportunity for coaches to learn, right? Right, right. I was going to say it. Yeah, but without the cognitive experience of being able to be discerning about like, oh, this is for me, this is not for me, this is for my clients, it's not, then it's, you can get wrapped up into that echo chamber of dogmatic approach, right? Right, right. And then, you know, and I also think to myself when I was a new coach for myself, right, I think we're also dealing point two is we're also dealing with human beings. And so I want to be right. And so there's this, 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 we, we have this drive in us. And especially when you're new, it's like, no, 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 I'm putting my stake in the ground and I'm right. Yeah. Right. It's like, (laughs) is it more important to be right or to actually help someone and then know what you're doing to do it? This is very true. You know? So, so yeah. You know, and then I also think then the third thing is that, and then the, this just comes with doing reps, is that once you start to get convicted and like, this is my way, this is who I help, then you can be discerning and then you'll have that experience of like, oh, this is not for me. This is not, right. for me. that's not my moment, my favorite modality. And and then you, you lose this need to be right and more like, well, I'm going to call in who I need and who needs right. me. Yeah, that is well put (laughs) beautiful it's like i guess you could say you you know you mentioned the 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 principle of polarity Mm -hmm. but it's like i guess as you move down it was like the principle of polarity but then what you'd mentioned towards the end was almost like you got to be polarizing or not you have to be but but then you can be polarizing yeah and with that it's like you've niched but not for the sake of it being a gimmick but because you know where where you are good you know, it's where you had, the skin in the game has shown you where you're getting your results and what you do well. And then it's like, it's boom. Perfect. Yeah, I love so, it. So much of business growth and so much is, 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 a, is feels like a paradox. It's like, give yeah. value, but not too, too much yeah. value. <laughs> I'm you struggling know? with that. I won't lie. I'm struggling with that. Because, you, you, know, you know, it's like, how much do you give? You know, you give it all. Sure. What's left? <laughs> or, you know, it's like, don't be dogmatic, but then go all in on your way. So it's like, yeah. uh, so it just, it's a paradox, right? It's, it's living in the and, and not for yeah. me, and then being transparent with this is the end of like, yeah. hey, I'm learning this voyeurism. This is what I'm doing. I once thought this and now this, right? Yeah. That also comes from like, hey, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get results. I like that a lot. I may quote you on that. Yeah, amen. I may crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get results because it's like, hey, that just lets you know. I am, you know, there's fallibility. There's in some cases there's fallibility in what every and anybody is doing out there. It's okay as long as you're willing to put your best foot forward, regardless of, of whatever potent, like potential consequences there are. Failure, you learn. You extrapolate, you rediscover, and then you keep pushing, you know, and eventually you find what sticks. Yes. Hopefully you have, you have references and resources that allowed you to have context so that you're not completely in the dark (laughs) and you have previous experiences and data that would kind of help guide you a little bit. 
but you have to be open. Totally. So true. Yeah. So this has been awesome. And so I definitely want to be, I want to be respectful of your time. So for those of you who are tuning in and they want to go deeper with you, what are some of the best places that I can send them? You can send them to my Instagram, which is at the real coach pal. You can also send them to my YouTube channel, which is also at, excuse me, sorry, that one is at coach pal. So the reel is taken out of there. <laughs> so at Coach Pow on YouTube, for my YouTube channel, and at the Real Coach Pow for my Instagram. And those are the two places, you know, for example, on Instagram, DMing me, asking questions. I'll get back to you as soon as possible. It'll probably be within 24 hours or less. And on YouTube, I on D, my DMs on Instagram, a lot of times I get individuals who say, hey, I, I don't know how to perform such and such exercise. Can you Can you show me? So I'll go to the gym, film the exercise if it's not already in my database, and I'll post it on, on YouTube. Send them the link. We're good to go. So oh. cool. So cool. So cool. Okay. So we'll make sure that we link all of that up. So thank you so much, Coach Pow. I really appreciate it for pouring into me and into the community. And catch you later. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the PT Profit Podcast. If you like this episode, chances are your friends will too. So it would be a huge service to us if you would please leave us a review and share with your friends on your social media channels. When you leave us a review, be sure to take a screenshot of it and email that screenshot to my team at info at bsimpsonfitness.com. And we'll send you a very special Instagram podcast that will show you how to create compelling content so that your ideal clients come to you and you go from wanting clients to a wait list of clients ready for your services. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.